If you've got a personal auto insurance question, you could talk to a cab driver, although the policies he recommends might include avoiding the interstate, beating traffic by taking the back roads, and only making left turns when absolutely necessary. Or you could talk to your local GEICO agent, whose policy is to use their expertise to navigate your insurance, finding the best route to help you save money on insurance for your home, car, and more. And as an added bonus, you'll be able to avoid traffic jams and potholes entirely. To find a GEICO agent near you, visit geico.com local. The SLE Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at slepodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this edition of the Jay's Weekend Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 46. I'm your host, Jay, back at you, bringing you all the hits and misses when it comes to professional wrestling. And I have a big hit for you guys tonight. I have a pro wrestler, superstar with me, a veteran, a world-traveled, battle-tested veteran of the ring wars, and I am super excited to have this guy on the line tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I got with me the Havana Pitbull himself, Ricky Reyes. Ricky, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Hey, not a problem, man. The pleasure's all mine. Um, I want to get into uh, your career, but first first off, I want to get into where you first found the love for pro wrestling. When did you first become a fan, and who introduced you to it? Uh, well, it was something um, my dad used to watch, you know, so I, I grew up watching it. Um, and uh, my dad worked a lot, so and both my parents did yeah. growing up, so... A lot of times, me and my brothers, only time, you know, maybe with my dad was like sitting down watching wrestling like Saturday mornings, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just remember watching Hogan, Penn, Iron Sheik, yes. and Madison Square Garden. And I just, me and my brother, like jumped up and down. And <laughs> like, oh, that was awesome, you know? And I remember turning to my dad, you know, and saying, I'm going to be a wrestler when I grow up. <laughs> so, um, and ever since then, I was just, uh, that's the first memory of, of pro wrestling that I have. Yeah. And uh, it just, like, it always, like, uh, connected me with, you know, like, you know, happiness, I guess, you know, like, uh, no matter what was going on in the world when you're growing up or, you know, like, you know, going through whatever in junior high and high school, you know. Yeah. Like, you always escaped uh, whatever was happening when, when something comes on that you enjoy and, and you love so much, you know, so wrestling was that for me you know like uh so when i was like five years old i kind of made up my mind oh, i'm gonna be a wrestler yeah and i never really left my mind even though I, I said it and i didn't really know how i was gonna go about it obviously but i remember always having that in the back of my mind no matter what i was doing like junior high even in the high school it's like when it started to get real for me because i thought man i'm gonna graduate soon and yeah this is it i have to do it i have to you know I have to find a way yeah and uh yeah, man. It's similar with me because uh, I think my dad, it was a funny story. My dad always told people I cried a lot as a baby, like uncontrollably. I was colic. There was all sorts of crap wrong with me. So he was like, the only thing that kept me quiet was watching Saturday night's main event. It's like, <laughs> for some reason, it was the only thing. Like, I'll sit there and just, like, it was magic, bro. Like, I was just quiet. You know what I mean? So he would record hours upon episodes, episodes of Saturday Night's Main Event, just play it during the week so that I could shut up. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, I mean, wrestling did it for me and I, that was my dream too. But, uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of naysayers and people that were like, oh, that's not realistic growing up. You need to do something else. And unlike you, I didn't pursue it, but I'm glad you pursued it. And I'm glad you, you, you made it, man. You, you, you got there. <laughs> Yeah, so you pretty much answered two or three of my questions at the same time of, uh, of you know, because uh, I was going to say what match made you want to do it. And it was obviously Andre, I mean, Hogan and the Sheik, which is legendary. It's when Hulkamania just went off in WWF and it just took this thing to a whole new stratosphere. Um, let me see. Uh, what, who was your favorite wrestler growing up? said they kind of started the hulkamania era yeah um you know going into 85 uh 84 and 85 when i started really kind of catching on uh and then you know as you get older you kind of i mean watching watching it uh religiously you know you just kind of go through with what they're feeding you you know yeah so yeah you know you went through the whole hogan and then the you know the big debate of hogan and warrior yeah you know and then then I finally got cable and I found like the horsemen yeah. on TBS. And, and I thought, wow, these guys, you know, it's always believed the, uh, the commentators really, uh, really connected with me. So like when Jim Ross would say, you know, we're not here posing, you know, and <laughs> boiled up and, and, you know, we're not cartoon wrestling. Like, yeah. We're wrestlers. And I, and I took that to heart. I was so gullible, you know, I was like, I was like, yeah, like, like Rick Rude and, and Arn Anderson, like, these guys are real. You yeah. Know? And I always looked at the NWA as like the real wrestlers. And then like, you know, the WWF was so character driven, you know, yeah. like, a team, the African dream, you know, yeah. my dad would like laugh and watch like, look at that guy, you know, he's so fat, you know, so yeah. kind of like always like thought, yeah. And the other guys, my dad's never laughing at them, you know, he mm-hmm. always like, you know, we, we watched NWA and, you know, we were kind of like almost hypnotized because like, almost like watching a fight you know yeah like a fight scene you kind of sit there and you're watching like oh man you know you can just kind of react to the moments uh and then and then with the wwf you know you could spend you know you know the whole match laughing at how this guy walked to the ring yeah or whatever you know it was just the way the those two companies were so different but um you know i i kind of like once i got into like high school and stuff like i started you know uh, really watching the smaller guys, obviously, because I was a lot smaller, mm-hmm. and um, I was doing more. You know, uh, I was more interested in the real wrestling because I wanted to be. I wanted to take amateur wrestling in school before I left high yeah. school to prepare myself for pro wrestling because I started yeah. tape trading, and then I found that you know, like Scott Steiner and and you know Bob Backlund and, and these guys, they'd go to Japan and they'd wrestle like you know, like real wrestling. You know, yeah. I just thought, man, these guys are doing like real wrestling moves, you know, against like Jushin Liger and, and, and Keiji Muto and, you know, and all these guys. And I thought, how cool would that be to be able to do wrestling around the world, you know, and, you know, and I just like really started like investing more time into like NWA guys. So yeah. I, I really got into like when NWA switched over to WCW, I was more, more in tune to watching them. I watched a lot of Texas stuff with Von Eriks and stuff on ESPN yeah. and stuff like that. So. I was started like as I got older, I got more mature into the wrestling part, like where I wanted what I kind of wanted out of it, you know. So yeah. I started like gearing myself more towards even with WWF, I was like more in tune to like watching Bret Hart's matches, yeah, and Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect, like just how they moved and you know, they weren't like big giant lumbering guys like Hogan and you know, so 
uh, in, in time, I just, I moved along with everything, you know, just kind of was, you know, like, you know, they kind of spoon feed you who they want you to like. Yeah. And as yeah. the times changed, like I just kind of changed with them and, and really caught on to a lot of different, different styles of wrestling, really. Yeah. That's why it would boggle my mind to see a lot of the American wrestlers go to Japan and do a different style. Like seeing Hogan do, you know, submissions and like nowhere near the amount of stuff he would do in WWF boggled my brain. I was like, Hogan could actually work a different style. It's, it's amazing. You know what I mean? Like it always... Yeah. It always, you know, I felt cool. I felt good watching the American wrestlers go to Japan and actually portray a different side of them that we don't see in the States, really. Because like you said, they have to do a specific style for a specific show, you know, to get that product over the way they wanted to and all that other stuff. Um, where where did you, where, where, at what age did you start training? Like for pro wrestling? Uh, I think I was like 19 when okay. I started uh training at um school of hard knocks pro wrestling in san Bernardino, california okay uh so I, I i graduated when i was 17 and uh i remember like the deal was with my parents like just just graduate you yeah can do whatever the hell you want to yeah. do you know get so that fall back <laughs> that, that was the only thing that i was focused on was like all right if i graduate they'll leave me alone like, yeah that was my plan you know so um i graduated and I remember telling my dad, like, well, I'm just going to work out and I'm going to find a wrestling school and I'm going to move to wherever I have to and and, uh, and be a pro wrestler. And he's like, yeah, well, whatever. He goes, well, well, you live here, you either go to school full time or you work full time. You yeah. know, lay your ass around the house all day. And I was fine with that because I just wanted to make money yep. and get, get it going. You know, like I didn't really care. I had no interest in school. Um, I didn't like it when I had to go for free and I sure as hell wasn't going to pay for it yep. for college. So all my friends are like, where are you going to college? I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, <laughs> it just wasn't for me. I had no interest in it. I knew what I wanted to do and I knew that, you know, in order to do it, I needed to make money because my, my parents, they weren't going to help and yeah. that was part of the deal. And I was fine with that, you know, like I didn't, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I was about 19, maybe starting, going to be 20 for the summer that I enrolled in the school and it was basically like if you show up, you pay, you know, 25 bucks for the practice and, and that's it. And they had four practices a week and they said, well, if you're not here practicing or putting the car together, you're not going to be on the show. So it was yeah. kind of like you had to be there every practice. Yeah. There, um, Jesse Hernandez was like out of sight, out of mind, brother. Yeah. So I was always like, All right. Well, I'm always going to be in sight then. So I yeah. was basically paying $400 a month. Uh, for training for yeah. a couple of years straight and uh, which I happily did, you know, cause uh, I, you know, making money, like working like a, a, at a trucking terminal, you know, like it was, I didn't want to do anything else but wrestling. So I, I dumped all my money into it. I didn't care. I just paid my car and paid my car insurance, which was high for me and, and yeah. paid my wrestling bills. You know, that yeah. was it. Like I had, didn't want to do anything else, you know, yeah. I had no intentions of, you know, having a fancy car, just needed a car that worked and yep. got me to the shows, got me to practice. And we started practicing all over the California and stuff and, you know, making trips up to San Francisco and Arizona and, you know, started traveling like immediately, you know, cause I was one of the few guys that had like a reliable car, mm. you know, at the wrestling school, you know, that was like the newer guys, yeah. like the older guys, they weren't going to take any greenhorns with them anywhere unless we were driving. Right. Yeah. So it was like everyone piled into my car, you know, and then we just <laughs> hit the road and that was it, you know? Uh, how how long into your training before uh, you got like your first break in the industry? Yes, 
Yeah, I started uh, training, I want to say, like, in, in, in June of uh, 98. By September, they had talked to me about trying to come up with a gimmick. Okay. And, um, and uh, they, because they, I was kind of progressing. I, like, like I said, I did amateur wrestling for that, re, for the, you know, intention of pro wrestling. So, when I'm watching wrestling my whole life, I just got things so easily, you know, yeah. they're like, throw a clothesline. And I was like, okay, why? Well, I've seen one, and they're like, "Just do it," and I just did it. And I'm like, "Like that?" And they're like, "Yeah, like that." <laughs> you know, I like, figured it would probably I mean, it was probably easier to take all the bumps because you did the amateur wrestling before. So, like, was it like you said, the transition was much easier for you for for training? Yeah, totally, and and I, I liked I liked the training from amateur wrestling. So I would go back in the summers when they would do summer workouts mm. during the day, and I would just roll with some of the guys just yeah. to, just for the workout sake of it, and. I like uh, working hard. Like I don't like to go to training and everyone stand around and talk about how good they think they are. Yeah. I like to get in there and just sweat, even if I'm taking a hundred hip tosses from new people. Yeah. You know, and it just uh, I like to get in there and work. So I used to just go and just you know just do that just to get a sweat, just to get used to throwing suplexes. And and I was working out with the bodybuilders mentality, so I knew that I, I needed like my wind. Because mm-hmm. I knew that that's what uh, was immediately affected by gaining weight so much was uh, was uh, you get thick heavy muscle on you and then you try to do a bunch of push ups and burpees and stuff and your body doesn't know how to react to yeah. those fast trigger type of movements so I, I I did it for a lot of that you know reason until I found a wrestling school you know and then then when I went into the wrestling school I was in pretty good shape uh, I was small you know I mean I was I was like trying to hit 150 like that was a goal for me you know, yeah my weight you know and, and uh i would go in there and in the wrestling shed in the summer of southern california and we just sweat 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 yeah. you know and so it was great i mean i loved it um you know so so by the time i got to my you know my first couple sessions couple weeks of pro wrestling i was moving along really quickly mm-hmm. yeah it took a few months before they started even talking about having a match yeah maybe like three months okay all right um which which wrestler do you think influenced your your style in the ring uh easily like dynamic kid and chris benoit by far um i what i would do is i used to go to the mall and there's this the rf video oh uh, yeah used to have uh like a like a stand Mm. and there was just like vhs tapes right and they would have all these tapes from Japan and they were like $21. And I, I used to go there with my, I'd go cash my check and then I'd go straight to the mall. And I'd always, I knew the guy that worked there used to come to the UPW shows in, in, uh, in Southern California. Yeah. He was a big mark. And I used to tell him, Hey, can you get me, you know, Stein brothers in Japan? And he was like, yeah, no problem. And then the next week I would go and he'd have like three or four VHS cassettes. Nice. VHS tapes. And, uh, it was just like hours and hours of you know like handheld camera stuff so i would have like best steiners and your bulldogs and stuff but once i found like dynamite kid of uh, you know the british bulldogs like i had all the volumes of them you yeah. know like four or five volumes that, that that they had in rf video and i would just all day i would just watch I, that was the only thing that was in my television or playing on my television in my room yeah. was i would go to sleep and i'd wake up watching it you know so what I ended up doing was like I would and then I would have a match and then what I would do is I'd put my match in and I'd watch myself everything that I did then I'd take the match out and I'd put a dynamite kid uh, match in mm. and I'd watch him and I'm like well 
what am I doing that he's not doing? Or, yeah. You know, why am I not? Why doesn't it look as good as his? Yeah, you know? yeah. So I started just emulating his movements, and I didn't know what was really right or wrong because uh, I'm not saying I trained myself, but like for the most part, like once you get past the bumping and the rolling and being safe and so forth, like it's a matter of practice else, after like, that. Yeah. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you're gonna get really good if you want, or you're just gonna kind of stay and be, you know, average. Yeah. You know. Uh, I just knew that he had an extra snap and there was a little more intensity to everything that he did that everyone else did. Right. Yeah. So it was like, it's like, and then I was always, always read, like I read his book for dynamite and all that stuff. I, he, he was, you know, he was smaller. Mm -hmm. So I always had that going for me too, because I was, I'm a smaller guy. Right. So I thought, and then I was one of my idols is Mike Tyson. And yeah. I just thought, well, Tyson's small. But yep. he's so intimidating that he looks bigger than what he really is. Yeah. So his presence, like, and on all three of those guys, they'd walk to the ring and basically with the same look on their face. Yeah. Like they're just going to murder somebody, right? And I always wanted that. I always thought to myself, like, I'd like to walk in a room and the and, and their whole room split like the Red Sea. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, like, <laughs> I thought, like, how do you get that? Like, how, yeah. do, how, how, do, how do, you know, how do you obtain this type of respect and and then, I, and then slowly I was like, well, the better I get, the more I'm obtaining this, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> this type of respect, you know? So I was like, you, you know, ultimately it came down to, you got to earn it. Right. Like, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of emulate these guys and, you know, that's kind of how that. Yeah. And you guys, so and you guys had all like the same body type, probably, you know, like maybe five, 10, 220 ish around that range, just little tanks. And and yeah. and like you said with the with the RF video stands, that's how I used to get my ECW tapes, because yeah. you couldn't really get that unless you called ECW themselves. Yeah. But RF yeah. video used to have those all the time. I'm from New York. I live in Florida now, but I've been in Florida for about three years. But I'm a New York boy all my life. So just like you, I would go to the malls and I would see those stands and I'll see Sabu and 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 Benoit when Benoit broke his neck. I was just like, oh my god, that was just a sick. Sick match. I'll see Malenko and Guerrero and, and all these other guys. And even guys who are not so tall but taller but could do that cruiserweight style, like a two cold Scorpio, um, you know, agile guys who can wrestle. You know what I mean? And I've always loved that style. And you had the same style, man. When I used to see you in Ring of Honor, I was like, yo, this dude is – he's just like those guys, man. That, that type of build, that type of style. And I that's probably my favorite style, like guys who could do multiple – you know, disciplines, I would, I, I would equate it to, to make, to martial arts. Like it's different styles of pro wrestling. You know what I mean? So like, like, like you, you've been to Mexico, you've been to Japan, Puerto Rico. Those are all different styles of yeah. pro wrestling. Right. And, and you know that, I mean, to, to be able to learn all of that and to put it into one package, that's just, that's a great pro wrestler right there. Um, so with that, uh, let me see. Okay. Now, how did in that place that you trained at at um at the School of Hard Knocks, is that where you met Rocky Romero? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. The when I when I first went there, my first I started on a Saturday, um, and I remember Tuesday was the next weekday practice. Uh, I was I remember meeting him for the first time. Like I was in the ring. He came in a little late, and class had already started, and uh, everybody was kind of like, like ribbing him, like like making fun <laughs> of him, I guess, because he had just did a match, I okay. guess, the weekend prior, and uh, he was under a, a mask mm -hmm. gimmick, 
and then like a few weeks later he lost his mask okay and, um or like like maybe a month or so later whatever it was but um we we got along because he did a little amateur wrestling in high school too so like they were like hey run some stuff with him yeah so we started working out together and we were you know like i was a little bit bigger than him but uh we were for the most part the same size so it was uh we connected immediately through just like work you know like we worked well together in the ring had good timing um we both had the same mentality of what a good match is you know just make it make sense yeah you know and, and, and everything else will take care of itself so uh yeah so we just kind of connected there and then maybe like i don't know however long later later in the summer and in in, at the end of the summer he lost his mask mm -hmm. and then uh, they they asked me for a gimmick and i was like oh i don't know you know like so the the one promoter jesse was like oh you look like a uh like a like a general or something like in the army you know like uh <laughs> Like a, like a Mexican general, you know, and I was like, I do, and he's like, yeah, and uh, why don't you do something like that? And I said, oh, does it have to be that? And he goes, oh, brother, what did you do? Like when you were a kid, what did you do? And I said, I wrestled. Ah, brother, that's not a good gimmick, brother. No one gives a shit about those guys. And he goes, you can have a gimmick, like you didn't do karate or something. And I was like, no, like, that's stupid, like you know, and. And then, uh, and then at the same time, Rocky was like trying to figure out what he needed to do. So yeah. the promoter was like, ah, why don't you guys be together? Nobody likes either one of you guys. So just <laughs> stick together. And then we thought, all right, I guess. And, and then we, at the time we were like, well, you know, I'm Puerto Rican. He's Puerto Rican. Maybe we could do like a Puerto Rican gimmick. Yeah. And then uh, Jesse was like, no, 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 brother. Savio's on TV. He's going to think I'm biting his shit. I'm not getting <laughs> no heat. No heat guys. And we were like, yeah, because Savio was watching, you know, what the fuck we're doing. And, um, <laughs> so I was like, all right. And then the other promoter, Bill Anderson, was like, what about Cubans? Nobody likes Cubans and nobody likes you guys. So there you go. It'll be easy. And we were like, all right. And they're like, just for a few months. And, you know, 20 years later. Yeah, it's stuck. Yep. <laughs> but uh, that's ultimately how we like we met in training, had good chemistry, just working out together. And then. We just got kind of thrown together like a quick fix like hey this will get you on shows and we were like yeah man whatever let's do it and, uh, and then after that it just kind of caught fire and took off so yeah yeah but you guys didn't i mean feel free to correct me whenever you whenever you want because uh i know wikipedia is not the most reliable source of information for people but it you guys weren't the havana pitbulls in the beginning right it said you guys were the cubanitos Los Cubanitos? Yeah, Los Cubanitos. Yeah. Yeah, little Cuban boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So another, another knock on our size back then. Uh, yeah, we were really small. Like, again, I was trying to get to 150. Yeah. You know, at best. And, uh, and, and Rocky had to be, you know, 15 pounds lighter, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we were small. And, uh, and it was still, like, you know, the later 90s, so mid-late 90s. So we still had a lot of big guys in the locker room. Yeah. So even the even the, the the guys that fly around they were still heavier than us, right? Yeah. So like, you know, we're like in our early twenties. Yeah. You're talking about guys that are like full men, thirty five year old, you know, grizzled vets. Yeah. You know, coming off like a territory run of some kind, you know. Yeah. Like, so it's uh, yeah, it was tough, tough time for us because we were not accepted 
you know, small guys were not accepted yet. Yeah. Uh, and like 90, 98, 99. Not yeah. Until, you figured, you figured that was still the attitude era at that point. Yeah. But, it, it, but like we were still looked at as the cruiserweight. The cruiserweight. Guys, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we were the, the WCW cruiserweight, like, yeah, go around and flip and, until, <laughs> until the, you know, until the main eventers get here. You know? <laughs> So, put on the best match of the show, and then we'll put on our guys at the end. You know, like like. Yeah, so it was like, go and do all the hard work. You yeah. Know, and then we'll grab a hold, kid. You know, so that that at least got us on the show. Because if it weren't for guys like Psychosis and Ray and mm-hmm. and those yeah. guys on television, you know, who knows if we would ever really got a fair shot at all? Yeah. Because you know? I'm, I think about that all the time. Like I started in '98, summer '98, and. Although it was okay to have us on the show, we weren't anything past this first or second match yeah. ever, you know. And I mean, that's just how it was back then, right? Yeah, so, but I mean, I mean, you guys caught fire, you know, as the time went on because you guys ended up becoming the Havana Pitbulls. You guys, did you go to where did you? Go, I know you guys did some runs in New Japan. Was that before ROH or after? Uh, before. That was we, before. Okay. We, uh, yeah. What happened was. Uh, Inoki opened up the the Santa Monica Dojo mm, yeah. in late 2001. It was actually technically we we were there the first day it opened to help set up the ring, and then uh, started kind of promoting it in 2002. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Japan, and and uh, New Japan sent us to CMLL. Mm. So we stayed there for like six months, and then uh, we came back, went back to Japan a couple times. And then Ring of Honor uh, called us uh, when Ring of Honor called us when TNA pulled AJ and Chris Daniels off mm. ROH shows. Yeah, because I know That's TNA it. and Ring of Honor had a short partner, not partnership, but they had like a they'll swap talent from time to time, and you'll see them, you know, on yeah. different shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Once once TNA got a little more serious about their their own product, they started pulling guys. Mm. Uh, you know, and it would last a few months or whatever, and then then they would come back. But ultimately, it, they they pulled AJ and, and Chris off a bunch of shows that ROH had been promoting them on, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then Joe called called me and said, "Hey, uh, you know, uh, me and me and Punk vouch for you guys to come in, so Gabe should be calling you." And, and nice. sure enough, he called Rocky, and and then we started in. Uh, Oh, four, two, 2004 nice middle 2004 i think yeah yeah it was their first double shot weekend whatever that was uh, chicago and minnesota or something something like that it was okay. a midwest swing yeah now now another another thing i saw on wikipedia so let's see if it's true or not <laughs> um so while did you ever train with anoki yes oh yeah, how he was, was that actually there all the time yeah he lived nice. in santa monica so when he was home uh he would just come in and roll around with us and uh, and our trainer Justin McCauley, he would he would tell us all the time like he wants you guys to ask questions because we always felt we always felt like we didn't know what to do like yeah you know do we just you know do we ask him like you know like do we bother him like is he gonna be like leave us alone like but he was always so nice and like he would want to watch us train and then he'll jump in and roll around with us nice. and he actually like rolled on the mat with us and then he would do like big press conference for like the magazines in Japan so. They'd have the press would be there, and then he would invite like Boss Rudin and mm. and uh, Quentin J. 
Jackson, Ken Shamrock, and Don Fry, and all these guys would just pop in the dojo one day. We're just like mopping the floors, and yeah. fucking Ken Shamrock's like, "Hey guys," and we're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. And then, like, and then everyone would just start coming in, and by by noon, it'd be full on like media all around everywhere. You know, you got Boss Rutten kicking the bag, and nice. Ken Shamrock on the floor stretching. You know, and we're like, "What the?" F-? And we live there. Yeah. So it was like, clean up your shit, you know, get your <laughs> socks off the floor, you know, yeah. like, um, so, you know, it was just kind of like, it was insane. You never knew what, what to expect there, you know, and it was yeah. like a full-time job. Like they wanted you there, you know, it was, it was, you were all in or you were all out. So I was yeah. just like, fuck it. I'm not leaving this place at all. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> grab my pillow and, you know, park my car out front. And I was like, I'm good. Like, so we lived there and, uh, for quite a few a couple years, you know, and uh, just train there. But yeah, Inoki would come in pretty pretty often, like frequently. Nice. He would just kind of pop in and see us, and and you know, he would just kind of like a typical, uh, you know, old school guy. He would just yeah. You'd ask him one question, and it turned into like you know a full on lecture, you know. Yeah. And we just sat there like sponges. Oh know? yeah, oh yeah. I, I could imagine how that be, man. Um. So when when you guys went to work for CMLL. It said you trained with Negro Casas, is that right? Yeah. How was yeah. the how how was your time in Mexico? How'd you how'd you like that? Oh, I loved it. Um, we were originally supposed to train with uh, Satanico and mm. and um, and Arena Coliseo was okay. his gym, and then Negro worked the guys out in Arena Mexico. So like when we first got there, uh, Satanico was telling the office like you know the you know the new kids got to train classic. Lucha Libre style. They don't know nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to a few training sessions, and it just wasn't for me. Uh, so I just didn't feel comfortable trying to attempt to do the moves that these guys were masters at, right? So, yeah. Uh, Negro said, "said No, no, no. Come train with me, because I I can blend the New Japan, you know, Mexican style together." So he helped really really changed my whole look on how I how I do a match because he was like look you can't do you know a head scissors better than these guys so mm-hmm. why even try yeah and if you're doing the same thing they're doing then you have no value of being an outside foreign talent so mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way right I'm I'm trying to like make everybody happy right? yeah because I'm like the new guy um so he was like just learn to blend your style with their style the more you complement their stuff the more the better your stuff's going to look once you hit yours, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he kind of like, kind of said, well, your style is more like shoot, so you don't even need their assistance on a lot of your stuff. If you're going to throw them, throw them. Yeah. And he goes, I'm just going to make people believe it, you mm-hmm. know? And I was like, wow, I never, you know, and all these things I, I teach in seminars and stuff, and I still, to this day, got to tell some guys, you know, like, that are trying to do too much. I'm like, that's not your deal, bro. Don't, you know, you, you don't have to keep up with the machine guns, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to match the machine guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, keep up with, you know, there's a difference, you know, like, and, and, and so forth. So, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was probably, besides Puerto Rico, it was probably, like, my most, um, uh, I learned so much because I went in there, I just broke in my arm, I did an MMA fight, blocked a kick, and it snapped my arm in half. Oof, damn. And I was in a, I was in a cast for, like, nine months, and I was waiting to get surgery, and then they finally said it, the bone had fused together, but it wasn't fixed. Yeah. And uh, and they were like, "Look, you just gotta let it rest." And then I was like, "Yeah, okay." Take the cast off. They took it off. The next two weeks later, I was going to Mexico City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so at, so after uh, New Japan and CMLL, you guys end up in Ring of Honor. Um, was one of your first uh, big feuds with uh, Punk's gang over there, the, the that Chicago gang he had out there? Second City Second Saints. City Saints, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we, we came in, and um, we did a couple of, like, I think we did a match with the Briscoes. It was, like, our debut. Yeah. And then um, and then in the summer, I think it was August, they put us against Punk and Cabana. And uh, I think they had just won the belts, and then we beat them for the belts yeah. in Philadelphia, I think. And uh, that was fun, because we trained with Punk a lot. Like, he would come to California for PWG, and he would just mm. stay the week stay at the dojo with us um so it was fun because uh punk and i got got along we we all got along really well but like um our philosophy on wrestling is the same i always tell people like the three guys that probably take this almost too seriously and too personally is me punk and loki we all have the same mentality of like uh don't don't try to embarrass me out there. Yeah. I'll hurt you. Yeah. So it's like, um, people say, I oh, don't take it personally. It's like, well, it is to me. So I mean, I it, it's, 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 it's your life. You know what I mean? This is what you do and you got to take it serious. Yeah. A lot of people say yeah. Bret Hart, Bret Hart probably has that same mentality that he kind of takes himself and his character too seriously. But I think you kind of have to, you know? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, that's always been a, a little bit of a knock on me, I guess, is because I, people like, oh, you, you just care too much about all these little things that you can't control, and, and I thought like I always always think to myself like, I maybe everyone else just doesn't care enough. Yeah, that's how I looked at it, you know, because mm-hmm. I would get in the ring with guys like AJ and Joe, you know, and Alex Shelley, and, and I'd have these amazing matches where we didn't have to call nothing and we'd go thirty minutes, yeah, and everything was on point, and anything less than that, I'd come back wanting to you know pull my teeth my hair out of my eyeballs or whatever you know trying to figure out like why can't you get get this you know yeah. like you're simulating a fight have you been in a fight like you know, yeah like, this to you it's okay to do that to me you know i don't know i mean i could go on and on but um yeah like i i connected well with with punk and maybe not so much with colt because mm. he's a, very much the opposite right like he, he wants everyone to stop and play his game yeah. and get a ha-ha out of it. Yeah. And, like, so putting the match together was, like, I remember one time we were working for IWA Mid-South and Rocky and Colt were talking about a goofy Lucha High spot they wanted to do, right? They're giggling, like, you know it would be funny if we did this? And then, you know, we did this. And I remember Punk was putting his kick pads on. He looks up at me. He goes, hey, you want to do that thing that we do? And I was like, what and he goes you know what's it called uh wrestling and I, said, yeah, stay out there. I just turned around and walked away and i was just like they did their thing they did the spot and tag tag and then me and punk just went to the floor you know and so it was fun it, uh, having those matches with with, uh, with them you know <laughs> that, uh, yeah Cole Cabana's made a made a career out of beating a, a comedic wrestler for the for the most part you know fun yeah. stuff and the funny thing is the guy could go uh, like i I, I know he can go. I've seen him. I've seen him have technical matches, but I guess his bread is buttered with the with the comedy. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. Um. So what what in all your time? Like when in Ring of Honor did the uh, Rottweiler uh, faction come together? Mm, 
don't remember whatever when Loki came back as a surprise. I know it was in the Rexplex in New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, I think it was, and uh, I don't know the exact month or year, but uh, that was all kind of like I didn't like I don't know like I'm not I'm not a big fan of, of Gabe Sapolsky, so like, <laughs> he would send email he would send emails to me and I would just delete them unless I had my plane. <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stand them. <laughs> Still can. But, um, I remember, like, Rocky was like, this should be cool. And I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, tonight. And I said, what about tonight? And I'm thinking we're just doing a tag match. Right? Yeah. And he goes, well, we're going to, you know, Loki's going to come back and we're going to form a group and we're going to leave Joe Lang. And I was like, oh, we are? He goes, you ever fucking read the emails? You can tell me that when I get here. Yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of killers. Just a bunch yeah. of killers. <laughs> Just go, go do you, right? Yeah. Like, that was the whole thing. And um, I remember, like, it would always be on, on the run sheet in the back. Like, no cussing except the Rottweilers. Yeah. <laughs> like, we because we were the street thugs. Yeah. Like, you know, everyone was going to be under control and wrestling under a code of honor, right? It was like the guys that wouldn't be doing that would be us. Yeah. So, Yeah, that whole crew. I'd say between 2000, maybe 2004 to like 2008 or so, I'd say Ring of Honor's roster was just unbelievable at that time. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was like there was no real difference in the match quality in between, you know. And, you know, and it was like you didn't even you know, we never we weren't ever a, a comp- the group at the time, Ring of Honor at that time was not a promotion of all right, well, you know, this is our sleeper match. Like, you know, everybody was going out Yeah, every match was you, know? you didn't know what was going to be a sleeper match cuz every match was entertaining every match was done well it was just it was a great time back in them days man i used to go to a lot of the shows that they had in the in the hammerstein in new york i used to go to a lot of those shows over there like manhattan mayhems that they used to do and all that stuff those were all ah to be a fan back then was was great man because 
the the only alternative really on television back then was probably Impact. And I was like, okay, they were doing some good stuff back then too. But for me, it was kind of like a resurgence of like an ECW. For me, that's what Ring of Honor was back then. Uh, you know, not necessarily underground, but a promotion with a bunch of talent and just put on a bunch of great shows. It was just, like I said, back then was just an unbelievable time to be a fan. You know, half of those guys are are the biggest stars now in the in the main promotions you know what i mean so it's just the talent that they had if they were able to keep them like if they had a sinclair money back then like they do now oh they'd be probably where aew is right now oh yeah the whole business would be a whole totally different yeah yeah um so and and i think your theme music that you had at the time and that you used for a while was probably my favorite in terms of wrestling, you came out to Bulls on Parade from Rage Against the Machine. I was like, I freaking love that song, man. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, did you guys have the sound guy? Mm-hmm. The sound guy put a, a machine gun before it. Because, yeah. Uh, uh, I think Loki had like like a Glock or something getting shot off, and then Homicide had a gun. Yeah. And then, uh, but everyone really liked the song. And at one time, Rocky was like, we should change our entrance music. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The crowd loved it, so it was like you know they would like bob their heads down to it. And yeah. So I was like, no, nah, man, that's our thing. Can't, can't mess that up. Yeah, man, love that freaking song. That's probably my favorite, probably song like in the mid '90s when it first came out. I, I'm like a little kid yeah. walking into school. I'm like, just <laughs> um. So, and since you've been to so many different, like, I'd say territories, but different parts of the world, um, what's your favorite style, like, to do? Like, you've been, like, you, like you said, you've been to Puerto Rico, which is kind of like, kind of like a more hardcore style, because they've had, they have a lot of bloody wars in, in, in Puerto Rico. The, the lucha style, you got the Japanese strong style and the American, and the American style. What's your favorite style of match to work? Uh, I mean, I love wrestling in Japan. It's my favorite, uh. Uh, I, I feel like I understand their cr- that crowd a little bit better than other crowds, um, and I mean I'm I'm torn because I spent a year in, uh, I wrestled a whole year in Puerto Rico in 2009, mm. and I just kind of like I really didn't know what to expect because I know that they like the brawling style, and I'm more of a like a wrestler wrestler. Yeah. But I kind of got comfortable with that there, and it kind of fit my whole character what my character eventually evolved into i think i got i tell people all the time like if i didn't go to puerto rico in 2009 like i don't think i would be half the wrestler i am today because like i still even though the territory was dying at that in that year um we still ran three shows a week every week and two of the shows were the house shows so we had baseball stadiums on house shows. So we had kayfabe locker rooms. Yeah. And I don't speak Spanish. Okay. So a, a lot of times I got in the ring with like a local guy, you know, just on the house show loop. And we had to go like 25 minutes. And he doesn't speak English. And then the referee <laughs> doesn't speak English. Yeah. You know, so they're telling me, 20 minutos to up. And yeah, yeah. turn around and walk away. Yeah. And I'm like standing there like, like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Like, we had... Like, I didn't see him come in, you know? I don't know who he is. Yeah. So I, like, locked... I had to learn to, like, work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not be a wrestler. 
because this guy couldn't keep up with what I wanted to do. And then I couldn't really explain to him. Yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, it was like, you know, I had to like find a character. Like I, that's where I found what Ricky Reyes, who Ricky Reyes was, I guess, you know, cause I got comfortable in being a character, um, kind of just learning when and where to interact with the crowd and getting comfortable with it at, at least, you know? So, um, so I would say like, I like Japan because of the work. I, like I said, I like to work hard. Yeah. And there isn't like a, an off night there and you just get it. You just catch this groove when you're there, you know? And it's like, it's just a style. The, 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 the style is a little more snug. It's a little, everything's more based off what would legitimately happen if we were like, you know, wrestling around. So I like that whole mindset and stuff. But then in Puerto Rico, it's, it was, it was very similar, you know? Um, and the crowd, once you got the crowd up, man, you could start a riot if you did it right. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause there was nights where like they would throw bottles, you know, at us and yeah. stuff. And, uh, some towns you just go and, you know, you think, Oh, it's a quiet town, you know? <laughs> and then you get in there and if you have a hot fucking match and get over on like, on like thunder and lightning, which are like this big tag team down there or, or Ray Gonzalez, yeah. you start dragging them around by their hair, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you get these old ladies like swinging at you, you know, <laughs> like in the front row and, and you're like, yeah, man, like that's what it's about, you know? And, Is, was that, uh, um, was that a world wrestling council? That's a uh, cologne, yeah. the colognes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You hear horror yeah, stories about Puerto Rico, especially probably the most, the most, craziest one obviously is probably what happened with bruiser brody back in the day um so a lot of people have like horror stories about the crowds in puerto rico and all oh, they you know i think one person said they wrestled there and they were actually in the locker room where he got killed and all that and i was just like oh yeah. like <laughs> like so right. actually our our pal vince Steele actually told me you got some interesting stories of of, of puerto rico like what? What's probably your? Uh... <laughs> he told me to ask you. Who's like yo yo? Ask him about Puerto Rico. He got some interesting stories. <laughs> I don't know. There's wrestling stories, and then there's uh, island living stories. <laughs> That's funny. Well, what like in all the places you've worked? What were probably like your favorite matches from each area that you've worked in? Um. Well. I... In, in Japan, like, uh, obviously, like, my first Tokyo Dome show was something I, like, I'll never forget, but, um, and the match was good, it was just kind of like a basic six-man, it was, uh, me, Rocky, and Brian against Liger, Kakihara, and Tiger Mask, mm. it was a good match, you know, I thought it was fun, but it must have been, like, I think, um, 2004 or five. I can't remember, uh, me and, me and Rocky went back down, um, for like two weeks. I think it was the, the weekend, the G1 had just ended. We came in for the finals and it stayed another week. But uh, we had a Cork and Hall event before we went home. And we had a six-man tag there. Uh, and it was just like the energy was just, it was just crazy, you know. It was like for some reason, maybe because it was just the end of the G1 or whatever, the crowd was just yeah. hot for everything. Yeah. You know, and, and at that point, you know, we were been tag teaming for a while now. So, we were firing on all cylinders and like comfortable with who we were. And it was just kind of like one of those, like if business didn't go down then in, in Japan, like a little after that, like who knows how successful we could have been as a team. Cause like we were really, you know, like hitting, hitting on all cylinders. So we were happy 
with, with that, or at least I was, I was happy with that, with that match, my last match for New Japan. Like I ended up going back for Zero One and Hustle and uh, Russell Expos and stuff for in Japan. So, but I just remember my my last match for New Japan was was really was really fun. Just just the crowd was just crazy, you know. Then yeah. and there's nights at Cork and Hall where it's just like magical, you know. Like I've been in the building when the crowd's just like one two you know and you're like there's two thousand people here but it feels like 20 yeah and it's uh the energy level is insane yeah so um but yeah i would say like that match in japan and in puerto rico i had some good matches with uh this one guy called uh they call him the man beast angel and he was like ended up becoming my best friend down down there and uh we just we just clicked like we just had good chemistry he was a little bit younger guy um and he was just he just wanted to learn anything like new styles of wrestling yeah. he liked like what i liked so it was just like we just had really good matches together and like we wrestled for the cruiserweight belt you know three or four times down there and had always had like the curtain sold out and the guys peeking around the side yeah you know? yeah and we were like they're watching you know fuck them let's go 25 30 <laughs> yeah. you know and we would just eat up all the time out there you know <laughs> Uh, you know, he, he, I, I remember one time I, I did like a running power, but like a running Liger bomb to him, and he was like, and I that was the finish, and I go kick out, kick out, kick out, you know, and he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's one more, the crowd wants more, so yeah, yeah, he yeah. just would like, you know, just turn it on, just be like, you know, we 15 minutes into the match, and and now the crowd's losing their shit, and we're like, no, 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 let's let's you know, let's keep going, yeah, and yeah. Finally, um, Steve Perino was the booker, um. He was the booker down there, and then uh, all the old guys were usually at the end: Thunder, Lightning, Chicky Star, um, uh, Ray Gonzalez, all those guys, uh, Eddie Cologne, and all them. They were usually the main events, you know. They would do like a six-man tag, and Steve was like, "Look, just put the old guys on right after intermission, and then let Angel and Reyes go out at the end, and just let them finish the show because yeah. a lot of times they couldn't follow us anyways, and the mm. crowd would be so exhausted yeah. after us." That they- quiet for a couple like at least two matches after us mm-hmm. so so steve was like no 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 just let them finish the show you know and then and then the, uh, and then it was a house show non-title matches so i just let angel beat me every night yeah and then when i then he would challenge me for the belt on television and then i would beat him there and then a lot of the guys were saying that like the old guys they would tell me like that's how you're supposed to do it you know you keep the house shows happy they keep coming back yeah, you know, and then they tune in the next week to see you defend, finally defend your belt, and then you beat them. Mm-hmm. You know, then you, you, then then all the, you know, then that's where you gain your credibility because you're the star on TV, right? And I yeah. Said, oh, okay. I, I didn't understand this stuff, right? You don't learn that on the independence. Yeah. You know? It's just like get your shit in, you know, get to the next spot, right? So you, you learn how to become a draw. You mm. know? So I learned that's that cool. there. So so the crazy thing is, the funny thing is for me. Like I, I try to follow the indies as much as I could as I got older and stuff like that. The only way I could do that is buying DVDs, random spots, getting different things. I came across a match of yours from a Philly-based promotion called 3PW. It was like uh, not a it was in the ECW arena or something like that. I think I saw you on one of my DVDs. I'm not sure who you wrestled. I don't know if it was one of the Hit Squad or Dan Moff or or Monster Mac or something like that. But I know you've you've worked all over the place, so you probably forgot more than than I would even <laughs> than I would even know. But um, so as the years go on, I'm watching this new thing called Lucha Underground. I'm like, this thing is 
revolutionary. This thing is the way they do things is is over the top, but I'm enjoying the shit out of it. All of a sudden, I come across an episode and I see Ezekiel Jackson as Big Rick, and I see some guy named Cisco, and then I see Ricky Reyes, and I'm like, oh snap! But your name is is Castro. Your name is uh, Cortez Castro. Now, how did how did the whole Lucha Underground thing come about with you? Okay, so um, I was good friends with Conan. Uh, we wrestled each other 2001. He came to UPW, mm-hmm. and he brought Psychosis, and he wrestled me and TJP in a tag match. And he, uh, that was the first time we met. And he really liked us, and he was just kind of, like, blown away on, on, you know, on how good we were. And we told him where we trained. So he, like, had a lot of respect for us going through the, the dojo system. And uh, he, he really liked us. So I kept in contact with him. And then, like, 2006 and eight into eight, like, for a couple of years, we would call each other every couple months and just talk. And I would ask him, like, is there any spots in AAA? And he's like, no, nah, business is bad because of the, the drug wars and stuff mm-hmm. down there with the government and the, you know, and all that. He goes, so we don't run a lot of house shows, so we're not making a lot of money, you know. And at the time, they already had, like, Rocky was there, um, Alex Kozlov was there, X-Pac, you know, Teddy Hart, Jack Evans, all those guys were there. Yeah. You know, they were living there, and they're working, like, once or twice a month, you know. So it was, it was hard. Um so he goes, look, man, if I ever get anything, I'm going to, I'm going to hook you up. And I was like, all right, cool. And then like around 2008 or so, he goes, look, we're going to start running in the U S uh, hmm. AAA. And I said, oh, awesome. And he goes, and it's going to be a regular thing. And, uh, I'm going to use you. And he kept, he would, you know, every now and again, he email me or whatever. We keep in touch. Anyways, uh, the, the story goes like, uh, it was my, so so just to appreciate the timing of this all like my wife's birthday was on a wednesday and that night she told me that she was pregnant nice i was like oh okay you know awesome uh friday night we went out to dinner and i left my phone at home and i came home and i had like four or five missed calls from conan no (laughs) and he calls, calls me up and says look man the deal is done in september we're gonna start shooting this tv show and the guy from L.A. is going to call you to Monday. And I was like, oh, really? And then I told my wife, like, well, you know, he always says something's going to happen. You know, <laughs> he's been saying this for 10 years now, you know. And then sure enough, Monday morning, this guy Marty calls me and he goes, hey, I'm Marty, blah, 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 from, you know, his production team. We're going to want to know if you're interested in working on this project that we have. And I said, well, what is it? And he starts telling me about it's a Lucha Libre TV show, you know, partnered with AAA. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, he goes, uh, so are you interested? And I said, yeah, sure. But at the time, I had did uh, an NXT trial. I went mm. down and did uh, a weekend. And Regal was like, look, we really want to use you, but we're waiting for a spot to open up. Because at the time, they weren't just hiring a bunch of guys like they do now. Right? Yeah, but now yeah. they hire people in ways. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's, competi- there's competition now. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they weren't doing that in 2014 mm-hmm. right yeah 14 so so i called canyon who's uh triple h's like hiring guy right and i was always in contact with him after my tryout he said hey keep me posting what you're doing let me know so i called him and i said hey man are you guys doing this cruiserweight show or anything yet 
and he says, well, you know, everything's, you know, in, in the works and we're working on it, but there's no timeline on when this thing's going to start. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, just because there's this TV show, you know, in Mexico, they're going to use, they want to use me, but I don't want to sign anything, even if, you know, and I, I said, look, man, I said, my wife's pregnant. I said, they're offering me good money. I don't want to turn it down. And then you guys say, you know, well, we don't have a spot for you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, can you just, you know, is there a possibility in the next couple months that you guys would use me in a, in a good spot? And he said, I can't promise you that. And I said, all right, well, I have to take this deal. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, 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 go ahead, take it, you know, keep, keep me posted how everything's going with it. And I said, all right, I will. So I always kept on good terms and still am on good terms with Canyon. So, and then, uh, Wednesday I got an email and my contract and stuff. I read it over and I was, that was it. I just, I signed it. I emailed it back. And then, uh, so technically I'm the first, uh, non, non triple a wrestler to sign with Lucha Underground. Like yeah. they always told me my employee number was zero zero one. So, uh, in the office, the office guys would always tell me there's number one. You know? <laughs> uh, they had a hard time getting guys to sign, to sign onto the project because it was nothing. Yeah. You know? The Lucha Underground was, it wasn't even Lucha Underground. Like mm. a lot of people were just calling it triple A's USA television show. Mm. That's what they were calling. It. So, um, Krista Joseph was, the the first guy I heard that signed on with the project that was a former WWE writer yeah. who's there now in WWE but um, so him and I were the only two guys that they would constantly advertise as this new startup group you know along with Ricky Reyes and Chris Joseph but um so yeah it, that that came through like like tri- basically AAA's office called me and said that they were going to start this you know but I had been told that this was going to be happening for a while you know, yeah. For, for years yeah you know um and then when the call came i was kind of like i even joked to my wife i was like oh this kid's good luck like you know <laughs> yeah. we'll find out what happened to him and then daddy gets a contract the next week you know yep, so, yep. <laughs> but um ultimately yeah that that's how that all kind of came down that whole week i was like a week later i signed it sent it off and they had already put in for you know 40 episodes for the mm. first season and uh and I thought, well, how if anything, I'm making good money for this this year at least, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started, and then it just like, I mean, to touch on it more, like when we got there, they had just decided to call it Lucha Underground, you know. So it was kind of everything was brand new. Uh, I remember Krista Joseph called me like in July, you know, and he said, "Hey man, I'm Krista Joseph," and I was like, "Yo, what's up?" And we're so excited, and and then he's a big wrestling fan. So he knew who I was already. Yeah. Well, I work for WWE. He goes, whether you know it or not, like they have eyes on, on everybody and you're, you know, I'm familiar with your work. And then one of the other writers that was on DJ's team, um, he's from Connecticut mm-hmm. and he was a big ring of honor fan. And he, he was a writer for WWE for like two years. And nice. He goes, yeah, man, I remember you in, in, in Connecticut and you went to the show and you beat up this guy. And I was like, yeah. oh shit, you were there? He goes, hell yeah, yeah man, I was front row, man. He goes, I'm a big Ring of Honor mark. He goes, uh, you were one of the few guys that would scare me when you would come out, you know. And he goes, I uh, always thought, man, this guy is legit. Like, and then now we got you, you know. So it was cool because like when we got there, uh, there was like 12 wrestlers was in the locker room. That was it. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> that first weekend, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of like, we're all just kind of sitting around looking at each other. Like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, what is it? And it wasn't a wrestling company. 
like, and it took forever for us to get that through our heads because yeah. we're just wrestlers. Yeah. It's a television show. It's you know, literally it's a, a show. It's a, it's a hardcore Spanish novella, bro. Like that joint was. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, fu- it's funny you say that because, like, I, I, uh, I, I told my wife, I said, "Have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico?" She's, <laughs> she's from Pennsylvania and she's Italian, you know. And she goes, "No, I've never seen it." I said, "Robert Rodriguez, that's his movie. Like, this is what his brand is." Yeah. I said, so we sat down and watched it one day, and then she sat there and she goes, "I get it now." She was like, I get, I get the connection. She goes, it's like, the girls are hot girls, but they're badasses. The yep. dudes are all cool and legit, like badasses, you know, like, not, no one looks like lower, you know, than the other person. And, and I said, yeah, I said, this is, you know, really the, the wrestling was in the, the backdrop of mm-hmm. the show. It was the cherry on you know top. I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. It was like, and we get these awesome matches. You know? Yeah. So it was like, um, so yeah, it was it was very it was it was quite a unique time because no other place had ever done anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we had like the we had a tough learning curve for a little bit with the contracts because they were telling us that we couldn't work certain places, but then they weren't running all year round. Yeah, so yeah. We had to like it took a it took a couple seasons for them to back off mm-hmm. what we were doing off season. Yeah, because they they needed to understand that like we're not taking what, what they have and ruining it. We're, we're, if anything, we're promoting it and trying to, and, and keeping our, our livelihood going, you know, uh, until we come back, you know? Yeah. So it took, it took a little while for them to kind of ease up on that kind of like bullshit we had to deal with at first, but it was all just because no one had dealt with anything like this before. Now was, they, was that triple A or was that the production company? No, that was Lucha Underground itself. Okay. Like, uh, the, Mark Burnett's okay. company and, and, and Robert Rodriguez. And it was, it had more to do with the licensing of the name and characters. Mm, okay. So with the exception of like maybe me and maybe like a lot of the AAA guys and girls, uh, cause I, I bought my own gear and kind of created it in my own, what I wanted it to be, Yeah. you know, and like son of havoc and kill shot. They, all their stuff was done by wardrobe. Yeah. It was left there. So they couldn't do that character anywhere else. Yeah, he would and, have to revert back to being Matt Cross or Shane Strickland or, you know, anywhere right. else they would work at. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like, it was always AKA and then their Lucha Underground name. Mm-hmm. But like for me, like I, I I, started noticing like, well, people are asking me about the show, so I should just wear this gear all the time. So mm-hmm. then I just changed my gear to what I was wearing on the television because that's what people were familiar with, you know. And then um, it's funny because it, it all depends on who you are, like in any company, you know, yeah. like I never really caused any headaches or tro- problems in the back. Right. Like I was uh, one of the producers actually referred to me as one of the few adults in the locker room. <laughs> like, he was always like, we never have to worry if you're going to be late or miss a flight or, you know, where's was Reyes out all night last yeah, night? Like, yeah. Where's he at today? You know, um, uh, so he, he, it was always like, it was always okay. I noticed people would advertise me as Cortez Castro from Lucha Underground mm-hmm. and it was never a problem. But then a wrestler that caused some headaches, I won't say his name. Yeah. Yeah. He had the, he worked for the same place I did in Dallas and the, the El Rey, uh, network sent them a cease and desist uh-huh. <laughs> because they used the uh, Lucha Underground logo. Yeah. 
And then I remember he called me and he was like, <laughs> you just work for, for John in Dallas, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I saw that they advertised you and why are they giving me shit? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I tell my wife, I was like, it's funny because I tell people now all the time, like, um, you know, when we were shooting and stuff, just use Cortez. No one's going to tell you anything, you know. And they never did, you know. But That's good. Know, what 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 are your what are your favorite memories of doing that show? How how was it to play an undercover cop? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> so I didn't know that until I remember it was September going into season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in North Carolina. I was actually at this YMCA. I was working out, and I I texted the uh, DJ, the, the the writer, and I said, "Hey man, uh, you got any updates for me for the next season? You know." And he says, uh, he said something like, uh, I'll, I'll let you know as time draws nearer, like something, Officer Reyes. And I said, <laughs> Officer, like with question marks. And then he's like, call me when you can. And so I called him <laughs> later and he was like, yeah, we're going to have you be have been an undercover cop this whole time. And I was like, I killed Bale. <laughs> you know? He goes, yeah, that's what makes it awesome. You know, <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of fun because uh, Joey's character and, and my character yep. worked well together. You know, and uh, it, the hardest thing to do was not laugh while we were like <laughs> shooting these things. Because with Cisco, like Cisco is like a little kid when it comes to laughing. Like once you get him giggling and laughing, it's it nonstop. Like, yep. Yeah, he can't stop and be serious. So we had the scene where he's like in the orange jumpsuit and me and Joey are are questioning him at the table was the funniest thing because like at one point the director stopped us and goes, Joey, can, can we get more lollipop? And he was like, and Joey looked right at me and he goes, do you mean you want me to suck on this lollipop more? And he goes, yeah, really, really go at it with the lollipop. And like all the camera guys are like holding these cameras on the ground. They're like, fuck is happening you know? and he goes okay and he's like going at that thing right like and i'm like i'm like trying to hold it together you know and i'm looking at cisco and cisco's got his eyes closed and he's shaking his head and i'm like we gotta stop because i can't i can't do this you know and stuff like that you know what i mean like stuff that's that hilarious no seen, um was man anyone that worked for for lucha underground um no matter how it ended or whatever, you know, it, um, you know, it, it was always fun being there. And, and I'll tell you why, because like, uh, again, with it being a television show, we weren't treated like wrestlers. Right. And, and, and this might sound bad, but like wrestlers are still like, Oh, they're just the wrestlers, you know, but there we weren't just wrestlers. We were the actors on the show. Yeah. So like everyone waited on us hand and foot. Like, as if, you know, um, as if Ed O'Neill walked into the building, right? Like, do you need anything, sir? Here's your seat. Here's your towel. Here's your water. To the point where we were uncomfortable because we're not used to being treated like that. Yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, we were kind of like, dude, I got it. Like, one of my best friends now is Brian Metz. He's a guy that, that worked as a production guy there. Okay. And we just he just came, picked me up for my first day from the airport. And we talked and we're both wrestling nerds. So we're laughing and everything by the time we get to the hotel. And he was one of those guys. And I had to tell him, I'm like, look, bro, like if, if it's for your boss or whoever's watching you guys, like you got to do this, it's all good. I said, but 
I'm not one of these guys that's, you know, like, you know, Alberto Del Rio, where I'm going to expect you to come wipe my feet, you know, after yeah. the match, you know, yeah. like I could, I'll do it myself, you know? And, mm-hmm. and he was like, no, no, no. He goes, I just want to make, you know, you guys go out there and put your lives on the line and blah, blah, blah. And this, you know, but that's, I mean, that's just how those production people kind of treat everybody, I guess, yeah. you know, but just, just being there, like once you got there, you just felt like, man, this is fun. It was just fun to do, you know, and with, with the writers there, with, with the stuff they had us doing was like, it was absurd, you know, it was like, you know, like, like yeah, I think it was like the like, first like wrestling show I've ever seen where there was like, like you said, there were murders, you had like aliens, yeah. you had like, like all sorts of crazy shit. Like, you know, you have people coming back from the dead. It was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, we did something and then I can't remember what it was, but Drago had to do something and, and someone had said like, uh, didn't he get vanished or something? <laughs> He's a fucking dragon. Who cares? Like, do whatever he wants. And then they stormed out of the room, and I'm like, fuck yeah, he's a dragon. <laughs> like, 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 who cares? That's hilarious. Well, that that brings me to a point when uh when you said you guys weren't just treated as wrestlers, that you guys were treated as like the stars, the actors. Like it brings me back. I think it was the Hall of Fame when Ted DiBiase was uh, being inducted. He had mentioned that he and a bunch of wrestlers were on a Sylvester Stallone movie called Paradise Alley. I I've never seen this movie, but he said a whole bunch of them were were on the were in the movie, and people were looking down on them because they're not real; they're just wrestlers or whatever. And Stallone stopped the whole production and said, "Listen, these guys are just as much a part of this movie as I am. They're the best improv actors you will ever see. You treat them with respect." Yeah, I mean, so that you bringing that up brought me back to to hearing Ted DiBiase say that about, about the wrestlers, you know, cause if you look at them, like you said, you know, you, you guys, uh, and I saw a recent interview with you trying to do research of what, you know, of how to, you know, what to say and stuff like that. Um, you, uh, what, damn <laughs> my bad, man. Um, I forgot what the guy asked you about Lucha Underground. Um, and you were like, you know, pretty much saying what you were saying now that we, that you saw your footage and you were like, wow, I can't believe that was me. Yeah. I mean, like, like, you know, it it came out really good. The production was good. You guys did an amazing job, you know, and, and, and it gave you guys acting experience. You know what I mean? Which is cool too. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, like, like you can learn something from good and and bad experiences, you know, in life and, and, and your profession, you know, if you choose to, right. So like, I always took everything that I did as learning experience, you know? So like, I mean, not only for the Hollywood stuff, I would just kind of pay attention to how detailed everything, everything was, which is, I'm a big like detail guy. Like I, I can pick apart a match to where, or a move or your footwork, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, down to, you know, a millimeter of, of an inch, you know, and all this stuff. Like I can, I just nitpick if I really want to. And that's what I appreciated was like the director was, he was very much the same way, you know, we would hit something and he was like, and he would get up and he'd come into the set and he'd look around and he's like, I feel like you would, you would maybe react more like this or tell me if I'm wrong. And, and he would take our input, which was amazing. Right. Yeah. Here's this, here's this, you know, huge production, right? I'm just, in my mind, just some peon wrestler that's, that's doing this spot, you know? 
And he's like, yeah, but I don't see Cortez just sitting there, yeah. like, even though that's what was written. Yeah. You know, he goes, should there be more? And I'm like thinking in my head, like, fuck, hell yeah, there should be more. You know, I should be saying a lot more, you know, but uh, yeah, you know, and it just, it just, I don't know. Uh, it gave me a lot of confidence, that's for sure, you know, because you learn, you learn like, like, I was always kind of like, oh, you just do your job, shut up, and then leave, you know. But then, like, after a while, it's kind of like, well, if this is wrong, I mean, if it's wrong, that's one thing. But if you don't have a better idea, or, how to make, or an idea to make it better, right? Like, don't say nothing. But if you do, speak up. So yeah. I just started, like, really being more confident in myself as far as maybe my character or how I saw other characters, you know, on the show. Or, like, when they would do promos, stuff like that. It's like, um, if I saw a promo or someone writes out, like, a promo, I have this idea for a promo. I'm going to say this to you, this to you. It's like, okay. Um I'm at a point where I'm just kind of like, all right, well, I'm just going to sit there and have you say that and then walk away from me. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. if it's not going to turn into a physical altercation, something along those lines need to happen without it actually happening. Right. Yeah. So you just kind of learn to, to kind of like fine tune detailed stuff. And like, besides WWE, I don't know if there's any other place that really gets that deep into characters, you know? So we got a, a an amazing opportunity for four years to really just kind of like fine tune i mean that's what i took away from it you know i took away four years of like uh you know hollywood directors and actors and fight coordinators telling me what i should and shouldn't be doing and and then they would ask me if i thought it was good and i just kind of took it as like well i guess my opinion does you know count yeah. here you know so i mean i don't know it just it helped and it could help in any way you know not, not to mention every day you know i was there i would walk up to chavo and you know, or, or Ray or Paul London, you know, and be like, Hey, I, can I talk to you? And they'd almost roll their eyes like, fuck, you know, and I, so I was doing this match, right? And blah, 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 you know, or Hey, Chavo, check out this, this stuff, you know, real quick, you know, and it, it, you know, guys like that. And they would just kind of school me on nothing's better than listening to Chavo be like, you know, Oh, can you watch my match real quick? You know, five minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then him and him, him just sit there and kind of like, yeah, you know, that was good, but here's what I would have did. Or here's what Eddie would have did, or here's what we used to do, That's awesome. you know. And I'm like, what the fuck, yeah, yeah. right. And he's like, <laughs> that one time, Ray, when we did this and that, and I'm listening to these two guys, and I'm like, listen, standing there, Chavo Guerrero Jr. and Ray Mysterio talking about their SummerSlam match. Yeah, you know, they're laughing and joking, and I'm sitting there in between them, <laughs> and they both look at me like, yeah, do something like that, and I'm like, the fuck just happened? My life, <laughs> like, it was just like. You know, like every day I made sure I, I, I tell guys this all the time, like when I do seminars, like suck one thing less every time you step out of the ring. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and in six months, you'll be a completely different yeah. wrestler. Every match you improve so I, something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would just go every day. Like sometimes I was there for weeks or, you know, a week, 10 days, you know, six days, four days, whatever it was. But I would always make sure that I ran something by Chavo or Vampiro or you know, because everyone has a different look on 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 a lot of stuff. Like, I wasn't gonna ask Vampiro about technical wrestling thing, but I would ask him about character stuff and what he thought would look good in a you know in a fight scene type of scenario. Um, so yeah, I just try to take advantage every day. I try to learn something or just watch guys or have like John Morrison. I'll be like, hey man, he was kind of like our you know like Undertaker of the locker room. Like you know, you kind of went to him if you had a question or if, you know, you thought something was good or bad, 
you know, and I would always tell him, like, even, even after that, I'd see him on indie shows, and I'm like, hey, man, watch my match, and he was like, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, and he would always tell me, like, the stuff I needed, not, well, the Brain Buster looked good, or, you know, yeah, it yeah. was more like, it was more like, you know, well, your posture here, and, and that's the stuff I need, right, like, the small things that are going to bother me the next, to the next show, you know. Yeah, the stuff you need to improve on, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, by, what, what was your favorite match in Lucha on the Ground? Um, we had that ladder match where Angelico drop kicked me off the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, but the week leading up to that, we did a tag match and it was, uh, me and Cisco against, uh, son of havoc and Angelico in a tag match. And I think we only had like five minutes, mm-hmm. but that was one of my favorite matches because it was like every, everything that we just, um, the way we wanted it to come out, it just everything was on point. There was there was a point in the match where we hit like Son of Havoc, and he stumbled to the to the ropes near Angelico, and they were still at that point where they didn't really like each other that much. Mm-hmm. So Angelico opened the ropes, and he tagged Son of Havoc as he fell through to the floor. Right, <laughs> it was kind of one of those like, um, and then because we knew that Son of Havoc was probably the most over guy in that match. So I was like, we'll wait. We'll, we'll get him out of there. Let Angelico blow a big comeback here so the crowd's happy. And then we were just kind of like hoping, like, maybe the crowd will be pulling for Son of Havoc. Yeah. You know, and we'll have him come in at the very, very end. And then we'll take it away from him for the finish and get the booze. Because they were popping for a finish, which was... Uh, the lung blower thing, the 3D lung blower, uh, lung blower thing. Yeah. And uh, anyways, it, it, the way we had planned it, it just worked out. It couldn't have worked out any better. Like Angelico came in, the crowd went nuts. Um, we shut him back down, and the whole place is chanting "Son of Heaven," you know. And they were like, <laughs> chanting, and we're like, man, this is gonna be too easy. So sure enough, he tags Son of Havoc tags back in comes in, dips bail, you know, flag pulls to the apron, comes in, springboard, we move, I thumb him in the eye, everyone boos, yeah. and we push him the ropes and give him a finish, boom, and we just fucking, it was just like on point, like, I don't know, it was just, and then the crowd was like, they saw our finish, and they were like, yeah, yeah. and then it was like, one, two, three, and they were like, boo, and it was, like, yeah. and it was just that moment where, uh, wrestling has changed right so like the fans they can like you can a bad guy can do a cool move but then they realize the bad guy still won and yeah yeah (laughs) we we forgot we hate these guys yeah yeah like we we're gonna we're gonna cheer the the ability and what they can do but remember that's the heel we're not going for that guy so it's like a double edge yeah i mean i'm cheering him he's cool but oh i can't stand his guts though ah you know what i mean it was just a feeling that like everything that we hit like in a, you have you have an idea of what it, what you want it to be and it was one of those handful of times where you left the ring and you were like man that was like 99% accurate of what I hoped it could have been you know yeah and I mean there's four studs in there so like you know like and then we had like I don't know Rick Knox as our ref so he was just yeah. like all over the place yeah like Tommy Young you know he's 
like flying and he's selling and, <laughs> you know, and we were just like on fire and it was just one of those nights where he was like yeah that was five minutes but that was the best five minutes that this crowd will see tonight you know? yep <laughs> but, yeah it was i mean a lot of times were fun you know even when i had to go down there and just spent the whole weekend getting beat up you know it was still fun yeah know? so with uh, and and i mean did they make an official announcement is i mean everybody's pretty much gone but lucha on the ground is not a thing anymore right no, I mean, there was never, like, a, an official announcement. And, like, the one thing that bothers me, I guess, the most was, like, it would have been nice to go into, like, season five. Saying, yeah. All right, this is it. And, and and let the fans have, like, and us, you know, close it out the way, you know, let us leave it all out there for the fans that, that, that took that ride, you know. Yeah. Um, it just would have been, it would have been nice to have closure for everybody, you know, because, like, we we left season four and rumor was there was an investor there that was all set for another 40 season, uh, uh, 40, 40 episode season for season five. Yeah. And then we, de- we debuted like three or four people that last set of tapings. So we were all under the impression that we were coming back. I mean, to the point where they were like, yeah, you know, we'll be in touch. And you know, after the summer we'll start figuring everything out and then it just kind of slowly died out. But, it just would have been nice to, you know. Yeah, for sure. Because I was like, uh, I had heard of the season five also, like online and looking it up and all that stuff. Just waiting. And it, like I said, they didn't really announce that it wasn't happening. But it just, you know, like you said, I guess it just slowly died off and just didn't happen. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but so in, in, in your opinion, and we're about to close up soon. But in your opinion, what how... And what's the landscape like in pro wrestling now you, with all these new federations, you know, AEW came out this year NWA is back strong with Billy Corgan running that. Um, you still got ring of honor. You still got impact at least in the U S cause Japan is new Japan, all Japan, you know, uh, Noah, you still got all those DDT, um, Mexico's Mexico, all the other places outside of the U S still pretty much thrive with what they have. But the U.S. now, WWE's not the only dog in town anymore. So in your mind, with all these federations, once this pandemic is over, like how, how do you see, at least in the U.S., the wrestling landscape looking like? Well, uh, I, I believe that it'll be stronger once we get, once we get out of this yeah. pandemic because, um, you know, like they always say, like, I can't miss you if you don't go away. Right. Yeah. So like, I look at it like it's, it's a for it's forced, but it's a good time for everyone to like, you know, disengage from everything and then come back more motivated, I guess. I, I think, uh, at least for me, that's what I'm taking it as. Like, I don't take vacations or time off or, you know, um, unfortunately, I don't like, you know, oh, it's someone's birthday. I got to take this weekend off. Like, I'm just like, well, I won't be there, you know. Um, so it's forced me to do that on a, on a lot of different levels, like even just mentally and, and physically because, like, you know, the gyms aren't open. So, you know, I work out at home, but it's nothing, like, compared to what I'm normally doing. I can't go to training, you know. So it's uh, it's making me miss it and more more so than I – than I thought I would, right? Because, like, you know, I have a five-year-old and, you know, and stuff, and it's fun to be home and stuff, but 
like being stuck at home for like the past six weeks like yeah i'm just thinking like man i mean i'm looking at it like the first independent show that runs with like a pretty semi full house the crowd might be like super insane just yeah happy to yeah back right like that's kind of how i look at it and um i just feel like things are going to be a lot better i think once we get over this hump i feel by by fall when school starts back up and everyone's kind of back on their routines i think uh wrestling is going to pick back up and there's so many like you said there's so many great opportunities out there for so many guys and 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 and, uh, and girls you know uh people were talking about the possibility of like wwe getting away from like house shows like i don't necessarily think that they're going to completely get away from it they may lessen it i think but i, I feel like they were they were gearing towards that direction anyways yeah kind of already lightened up slightly and when they noticed like if house shows were low on attendance they were just kind of like taking them off completely yeah you know but uh i think that's all that might in my opinion might have more to do with like you know like independence are a little a little bit more popular you know like uh you can spend what however much it is to get a ticket to go to like you know the wells fargo center here in philadelphia you know and you got to spend all that extra money on food and all that extra money and you could probably spend half of that take the whole family to uh an independent show that probably has three or four of the wwe guys on it now yeah yeah right and like so i mean one of the promoters was talking about like oh i think this is going to be bad for business uh on facebook the other day and i didn't say anything but i thought to myself like no it's going to be the exact opposite like if you have a good independent wrestling show, people will show up. Yeah. Uh, regardless, but if you have a good independent wrestling show and now you have all these free guys available, there's going to be even more people there. Yeah. Because you know? now it's an opportunity to come see uh, Gallows and Anderson, you know, over here, you know, at a high school gym, maybe, you know, it's like, and that's only better for all of us, you know. So, I don't know. I I honestly believe that like wrestling is going to be. I mean, it's never going to go anywhere. It's its own thing. You know, people always compare, try to compare wrestling to, oh, it's Broadway. It's, you know, it's it's sport, but it's it's art. And, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> pro wrestling is pro wrestling. Yeah. Other things are compared to us. Yeah. That's how I look at it. The UFC is turning into pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like boxing, when they need a big angle, they run an angle like we do on pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. You know? I tell people all the time, you know, it's everything else that's compared to pro wrestling, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, it's not going to go anywhere. And and there were good shows before this all went down. And if anything, they just got time to wait it out. And fans want it back more more than ever. And wrestlers want to be back more than ever, you know. And everyone's going to come out of this guns blazing like, all oh, right, yeah. man, let's go out there and, and tear it up. And we're all going to feel that way. So it'll be good, I think, because it's when has it ever turned off? never right i mean not in our lifetime yeah like, there was never a point where pro wrestling was just like no, uh, let's let's take a break let's take a summer vacation i've never it's just it's yeah. it's all the time it's always around I, yeah i mean yeah some promotions play it safe and and they take like a summer off but uh never like this like you know so i don't know i just think it's gonna be it might take a little while as stuff slowly starts to open, but I, I feel by like September, it's going to be like, it's going to be on like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with that being said, man, when, uh, when this whole craziness is over, what's the future looking like for Ricky Reyes? Uh, 
honestly, like, I'm just right now focusing on it, it is difficult for me to actually like rest and like take time off. Yeah, so like, yeah. I'm just kind of getting lost. I'm trying, trying to like learning, learning to deal with it. Cause every day I want to do something, but I'm just trying to like get myself better and, 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 you know, little nagging things that, that have been bothering me for a long time, being able to fix that stuff. And I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm leaving everything kind of wide open right now. Um, I'd like to go back to Japan. Uh, I, I would rather not do like a New Japan stuff just because like a lot of foreign guys go there. I feel like going to like a Noah or All Japan would be ideal for my style, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit more geared to, to that junior style there, but um, yeah, stuff like that and just you know staying healthy, really, just you know focusing on doing that. Cool, cool. Well, dude, uh, I, I appreciate all the time you gave me, man. It means a lot. Um, I know we all have time on our hands now, but I appreciate your time (laughs) and, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing once again, I look forward to seeing what you, what you do after this. I'm, I've always been a fan of yours and I've always appreciated your work. And I know, I know just like you said, wrestling is going to come back like a Phoenix, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. So I thank you for this. I appreciate you and we're going to close out ladies and gentlemen. That was episode 46 of the Jay's Weekend Wrestling Podcast. Um, I'll be back next week with another episode. I want to thank, once again, thanks Ricky Reyes for coming on. I, I appreciate you. So for Ricky Reyes, I'm Jay. Catch you next week. Peace. Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type two collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.